And welcome back to the Inadvertent Whistle podcast. And this is our New Year's Eve edition. And Adam, it's been a, a crazy year. I know that we've had a lot going on. And uh, why don't you tell everybody what your end of year thoughts are and introduce our special guest. Yes, Happy New Year to everybody. Hope everybody enjoyed the, uh, the Christmas week. Hopefully you had off from uh, work, but we're out there officiating games. Um, instead of talking about the craziness, I want to get right to our guest because this is, this is a really special day for us. Um, as many people know, we've, we've never had a coach on before. It's a coach-free zone, as Scott likes to say. Um, but we are so fortunate enough to have a currently retired head high school basketball coach from Northern Virginia, um, who is a, a, a great guy, a, a great friend, uh, a great basketball coach. We have John Costello with us. He was at Broad Run High School for close to 25 years, the last dozen or more as the, as the head boys varsity coach. And before that came from, from my motherland, uh, New York City area. Um, and so we, we bond over that because we, we well, he and I know you can't get good bagels, pizza, pickles, uh, you know, down here. So we, we, we yearn for the, the motherland of New York City. But we're so fortunate to have Kaz with us. Um, he, uh, outstanding coach, uh, an outstanding guy to referee for, um, and, a, and, a, and a really good friend to officials. Um, and so we want to welcome John to the show. Um, and so, John, tell us what you're doing now. Um, I know what you're doing, but I want you to tell all seven of our listeners what you're doing. Adam, uh, thank you. And, and, you know, welcome to all the coaches. Happy New Year, guys. Um, this is actually the first time in 25 years I didn't have a tryout. They had no tryouts. The two worst things of coaching are tryouts and injuries. I was free of both of those. But more importantly, I know when you coach, and I tell a lot of young coaches that I coach for, I said, don't give all yourself to the school and whatever's left of you back to your family. And I, I think I was guilty of that because the school and the job and the coaching got the best of me. And my family got the rest of me. So I really retired with that in mind. So now I'm down here in Charlotte. I'm about to move down here. I just purchased a home down here. I have two kids living real close by and I have four grandkids. And guess what? They're getting the best of me. But uh, nothing but fond memories of my days of coaching. Uh, I found out early that it's all about relationships, Adam. And I uh, appreciate being here with you guys today. No, that's awesome. Could, you told us before we started today, you told us a story about the retirement party. Uh, that they yeah. had for you at Broad Run. And, and you came through with an interesting perspective on that. And I'm wondering if you can share that, because I think it'll be not only beneficial to any of the coaches that are listening, but certainly to officials that are listening, because we, so we have officials that do the same thing. They give everything to the game uh, and the best of the game, and then they give the rest of their family. So it, it, it can happen to officials too. So I, I think your, your, your perspective can be helpful to many people. Um, sure. Um, they actually threw me a surprise party and I had no idea what was going down. I walked into the cafeteria and there was all these former players and parents and a lot of video tributes. And it was wonderful. I wish every coach could experience because it was like not one mention of any games. It was not one mention of any wins. Not one mention of uh, region championship. It was all about the other stuff, being part of something, the impact. I was real pleased that my uh, young JV coach who replaced me was there because he said to me, he goes, Cos, I'm so glad I was here. 
here I am warning about this game and that game, and it's nothing to do with that, is it? I said, it's nothing to do with the ball. It's all about the relationships, and this is proof of it. I wish more coaches could experience the end-of-the-line feelings and not be so concerned about the wins and losses because I was guilty. I would take – I wanted my team to win so bad for them. I really didn't care about personal records for myself, but I always wanted the kids to experience the win. But you know what? It's not about that. And I was guilty of bringing games home with me. Like a loss, I would carry with me on them for a couple of days. A win, I'd move on, drop it, move on, and prepare for the next game. Little did I know it was about that kid at the end of the bench, or is it about that kid that played here a couple minutes, or is it about that kid that was part of this? That's what it's about, and the experiences that come with it. And so if I only could have had this retirement party in the beginning of my career, I would have been a 10 times better person and coach. Really, I really would have. <laughs> Even my relationships with officials, I'll never forget this one story. I said early in my career, uh, official made a call and he knew I didn't agree with him. And he came over to me in down action. He goes, what'd you get? I said, I thought he was knocked off the shot on um, the shot. I thought he got fouled. And he was like, oh. he really felt bad. He cared. So from that time on, I said, these guys care just as much as I do. Why would I ever give an official a hard time about calls? They care if they get it wrong. And so it kind of changed my perspective. So, the experiences that helped me the most was the one-on-one stuff, the relationship stuff. And that's kind of helped me a lot in my coaching career. Guys, I, th- <clears throat> I think you hit it on the head about officials caring because we don't care who wins or loses. I, I mean, I think that's – We just don't want overtime. We, we just don't want <laughs> overtime. That's right. It's just like the coaches. Um, <laughs> but I think it's – I think you're, you hit it on the head. We don't want to be wrong. Um, you know, we, we want to have every call, right. We know that's almost impossible to do. And I think that a lot of coaches get the sense that, you know, we're screwing up on purpose and it's just, uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of a, a breath of fresh air to hear a coach share that, you know, that, that type of, of, of thought. So you also share just, and you can just jump in on anything you want here. But you had some you had some great players that played for you over the years. <clears throat> Anything stand out to you? Any any players? Any relationships um, that that stand out to you over those time? Yeah, you know, a funny story is that um, I had a really good player that went, actually just spoke to me in video not not too long ago, and we contact each other every so often. But um, he was an crazy great, really really good player. When any a coach would come to a game to watch a kid from another school, they all come and ask me about him. And his name was Travis Fulham. I said, Travis, all these coaches are asking me about you. Why are you not considering basketball, coach? I kind of want to play football. I said, well, you have nothing on the table for football. Why don't you? These guys are thinking that George Mason was ready to offer. He goes, coach, I really don't want to play basketball. I I try to talk him out of it. (laughs) And uh, just to make the long story short, he was the leading receivers for the Philadelphia Eagles last year and signed a $2 million contract. (laughs) <laughs> and actually, it was a player of the game twice last year. So I tried to talk him out of playing football and play basketball. So little do I know. But uh, there was a couple of great games with him and uh, great stories with him. And uh, it's just funny how things work. He took a walk-on scholarship to ODU. And look at leading receiver for the Eagles last year. How about that? Crazy. 
so you may have tried to talk him out of it, but you talked <laughs> about the courage of of what he did by turning down a, a, a basketball scholarship to go be a, a, a walk on to get an opportunity at Old Dominion. Um, so clearly, between you and I don't know who the football coach is at Broad Run, but you and and his parents, you know, you guys instilled a lot in Travis where he would have the courage um, and the uh, intestinal fortitude to go try and do something like that. And the belief in himself, that that's, that's a terrific story, even though he does torch my giants every time he plays. <laughs> you know what, Adam is, it's a perfect example of a kid can dream it. He can achieve it. And he's living proof of that. I'm telling you, he dreamed it. He told me, he says, coach, I really want to play football. I want to play in the NFL. And, uh, I got a Philadelphia Eagles jersey sitting in my room right now with his name on it. So how about that? That, that for a New Yorker, that is that says a lot. And if anybody yeah. that's, I know it's the NFC least these days, but going back to when we were kids and growing up, you know that that's tough for any New Yorker to put on a, a, a an Eagles, <laughs> a, a football team, or a, a Dallas jersey. Yeah, and and a couple of years since he left me, kids would tell me different things. He was coach. I want to start next year. I said, I learned the hard way that I can't ever tell a kid what they can and can't do, but I do want to talk to you about your habits. So as I coached longer and longer, I would say to kids, I know that's your goal, but tell me your habits. And they would say to me, oh, what do you mean? I said, well, you didn't start this year, so tell me what you're doing differently about it now because you want to start next year. So if a kid said to me, like, coach, I come, in to, come to school early. I stay late after school. I train three nights a week. I work on my speed Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday and Thursday, I do lifting. I said, wow, that's a really good habits. I think you might achieve your goals. And it kind of like takes it all off the coach and back on the kid. And all I do is like, tell me your habits. I know your goals, but tell me your habits. And it kind of like Travis had ridiculous habits. He would do all the things that um, people never saw. And guess what? He achieved it. He achieved his goals because he had ridiculous habits. It's what makes you separate from other people. That's a tremendous question. Scott, you all start asking that of officials who are trying to go from non-varsity to varsity. That's a, that's a tremendous question to ask people. It's a great question. What are your habits? It doesn't even matter if it's basketball or ministry or work or anything. It's a great question to ask. It is. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Kaz, you talk about a lot of the relationships that, that you've had over the years, not just players. You know, we'll talk about a little bit more about officials in a minute, but some of your rival coaches, you have some really, really strong relationships with. And I know that you're, you're tight with Jeff Halls over at Potomac Falls, and you also have a good relationship with Mark Alexander up at Loudoun County, who does so much great work, um, you know, for, for the, the charity and for military and those that are dealing with uh, challenges after serving. But can you just share a story or two about, you know, a relationship with, with one of those guys that, that comes about? Yeah, um, Scott. Just to prove to you that it is all about relationship, I had my father was a high school coach for 40 years in New York. And when he passed away a couple of years ago, the first people that reached out to me in a note of sympathy was like Mark Alexander, uh, Cardinal Association. Uh, those things speak volumes about the character of people that you deal with. It was it's never about like, what can you do for me? And uh, this is a good game here. It's all about. Um, the character of people because they care. You know what? I found out over the years that um, 
of all the kids I coach, the people will say, why do your kids play so hard? I said, I think it's just because I, they, they, I know they care about, I care about them. And the officials, when you have a relationship because they care, Mark Alexander, Jeff Hawes, we don't talk about this. Lot. The second the game is over, we shake hands, we tell each other, we love each other, and uh, we move on. And then in the game of life, different things happen. Like, Mark, I'm sorry about your father. I heard something about your son's not feeling good. Um, hey, man, thinking about you. Hey, just a little note. Great win. I'm happy for you and happy for your program. And then it's just those little things. That's what it's all about. It's not really too much about the game in and game out stuff. It's the other stuff that life kind of flows with and gets into entwined with that makes you realize like, man, these people are special people that I'm around. Even officials. Yeah. I remember when I sent you that, that note after your dad passed and your reaction was very authentic. You were like, wow, like you you guys are sending us and sending me a note. And I try to, try to explain to the officials we're all in this together yes i mean we're all in this for the same reason to, to, to just try to further the game for the kids yeah, and yeah. you know what you build relationships with people some relationships stronger than others um yeah but you know what no matter who the coach was if somebody if i learned that somebody's father passed away and, and maybe that's also because i'm a ministry but i want to reach out and make sure that they know that we're thinking of them yeah, it's it, just like it's, when a kid signs with a, a you know a school for their their next college, they put it on Twitter. I respond to them and say congratulations from Cardinal referees. Scott, I'm telling you right now, those are the things that impacts people's lives because it doesn't. It definitely did mine. In the conversation with kids, it's the little things that you say to them that that that's what they remember. It's like, coach, I remember I was really down and out, and you gave me a ride home in the car after practice one day. It's like, what? I did nothing. No, coach, you did a lot. I said, really? It's those little things. It's little things that kind of like uh, like a note here or just like, hey, I'm really happy for you. Stuff like that. All genuine life stuff. That's really what it's all about. There's also some ball busting that goes on, though, correct? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you could, hopefully you remember this story, because if, if I have to tell it, I won't I won't get it all correct. But but I've been told between by you and Hawes, um, kind of the gist of it but i i don't remember all the details you guys had played a game a couple of years ago and somehow some way he walked off the court before shaking hands with you yeah and then went to your locker room and can can you tell that story because i won't do it justice yeah um you know Hawes, he's all in the moment but if you really know him he really cares like he cares so much about the little things so after the game, it was a tight game. I think we lost in overtime, or, and it was like it was a disappointing loss. After the game, Hawes is hugging and shaking and hugging and shaking. Gets in the locker room, and one of his assistants says, "Coach, you didn't shake Costa's hand." He goes, "What?" He goes, "You didn't shake Costa's hand after the game." I knew he didn't shake my hand, but I knew it. I know Hawes is because he was tied up in the moment. It was nothing personal, so. I go in my locker room and it just so happens I'm in there a long time. He's got to get on a bus and go. And my AD comes to me and says, Hawes is distraught. He feels horrible. He didn't shake your hand. And he didn't want to leave. And I finally I said, you got to get out of here and go on the bus. Cost is going to be a while. Get out of here. I want to close this building down. So he left. 
So naturally, my first phone call after the AD told me that was going to be from Hawes. So I say to my assistant, let's play this up. Let's make him feel like he really hurt, that we're really <laughs> insulted by this. So he calls me on the phone. He goes, Cos. I said, you don't understand how much you hurt me tonight. You didn't shake my hand. He was total dead silence. And then I couldn't hold it anymore. And I broke out laughing. He was like, oh my. It was one of the memories we have. He says, I fell to the floor when you said those words that you, I hurt you. And he's like, I was kidding. So don't worry about it. It was just, we, to this day, we get hysterical talking about it because I, I really had him on that one. It was really funny. Yeah, you're pretty good at that, Cos. <laughs> you're pretty you got good at that. one night, too. <laughs> oh, he got me good one night. You remember that night? Yeah. It was it was a it was Potomac Falls game. I think we were at Pot Falls, and we're in the I, I can't remember for first half or second half, but um, shooting free throws down at your end, and I'm the, the the center official, yeah, opposite the table, yeah, and in between free throws, my partner that was down in in the trail blows his whistle and he calls me over and I go, "What's up?" He said, Potomac Falls, a kid just came off the bench and substituted with a kid in the backcourt, like hockey. I said, come on, you're serious? He goes, no, I'm telling you, it's true. I was like, shit. And, and, you know, and again, half of our six listeners probably know I'm pretty good at getting out of administrative technical fouls. And like over <laughs> the book, the table, and again, we're at Pot Falls and they're like, yeah, it happened. And I'm like, geez. So I go down to Jeff to tell him we're going to have a technical foul. And he starts yelling at me telling me it's my fault. And we had this conversation and I go, my fault. I said, how many effing assistants do you have? You can't keep your kids off kids on the bench. (laughs) So, you know, you haven't gotten up yet, which you typically only got up at halftime at the end of the game during games. So you're like, Adam, what's going on? So I go down and I tell you, and I said, Hey, we got a, you know, they they substituted. We're going to have to have a technical foul here. And you know, we're going to finish this free throw, two shots, and you get the ball. And I started to walk away, and you go, I don't want it. And I'm going, I, this, like, sense of relief came over my body. <laughs> like, I'm out of this. And I go, you don't want it? And you go, no, I don't want it. And I took another step, and then I hear you go, but I'll take it. I was like, hook, line, and sinker. I mean, you put that hook in my mouth and reeled me in. And it was one of the funniest things a coach has ever done to me. Adam, I'll never forget your face. Like, you don't want it? Like, oh, oh. I said, no, but I'll take it. And it I, was so much relief. It's like you've been yeah. constipated for a week and you finally took one. And it was like, ah, oh. and uh, I couldn't. Oh, man. I, I, Adam, I remember that sort of thing. And we won in overtime by one point. I saw something like that. So it was like, huge. It was huge. And then I don't think I saw Hawes again that season. He probably scratched me. Um, and I, I saw him next year at a, at a scrimmage. And he said, yeah, we looked at the tape. It was really bad. Yeah, I mean, the kid, kid ran right on the court. Right yeah. on the court from the from the middle of the bench and substituted yeah. with the guy in the back court. Yeah. I'll never forget this story. One year, a new, a, like a 16-year-old girl put all the wrong numbers in the book, and I'll never forget what this coach did. He said, no, that girl's going to have to live with that mistake, and the kids in the school's going to say something. I'm waving the technicals. I'm waving the technicals. I'm saying, what a quality thing to do. If I ever get in that situation, I'm going to do the same. And then I saw you, and I said, no, I'll, I'll take it, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on the story of, of you know sharing stories with Jeff Hawes, because I know you remember this, but a few years back, Adam and I were down in Richmond at Randolph-Macon, and we were evaluating officials 
to whether or not they could um, take the next step to be state level officials. And so there were three officials uh, on this game and it was between yourself and, and, and Hawes. So it's, it's broad run and pot falls. And for those that, that are not familiar with our lay of the land, the style of coaching here is completely different. You have one coach who's very um, quiet, subdued, sits on the bench. If he says something, it's probably something you should listen to. Um, you know, just a, a very, very quiet and composed coach. And on the other side, you, you have uh, what I like to call the gymnast. He's doing backhand springs. He's, you know, screaming, yelling, gyrating um, in Jeff Hawes. And so during this game, we just kept seeing the same thing. So Jeff Hawes is, is jumping up and down and screaming about every single call and just being Jeff. And for those of us that have refereed him, we, we, we know, we know what we're getting, but these, these three officials didn't. And so, but well, they before doing... you go on, Scott, let, let, yeah. let's be clear. What we know, what we're getting is a guy and Kaz talked about it, a guy who cares about the game. Yes. Who, when he's talking to us and he's, and he's loud, it's not about a, we don't have a mean bone in his body about it, which that makes man. it, it's actually makes it entertaining for me yes. um, no. as an official. So, you know, and, and equally, both of them outstanding coaches in their own right. But, yes, two completely different personalities on the yeah. basketball court. Thank, thank you for clarifying that because a lot of people <laughs> don't know. But, but so Jeff is very um, exuberant and excitable. So we got down towards the end of this game, and I said to Adam, I go, you know, they've allowed Jeff to you know, run up and down the sidelines and, and just be Jeff. They don't know Kaz. I wonder what's going to happen if Kaz ever gets up and says anything. And Adam looks at me and goes, oh, I guarantee it's a technical foul. <laughs> sure enough, there's about a minute to go in the game. It's a tie game. There's a loose ball around midcourt. And they grant a timeout to Potomac Falls. Now, nobody had the ball. The ball was still rolling around. And Kaz calls timeout and then comes out during the timeout and, and puts his palms up like, Guys, nobody had the ball, and boom, technical foul. <laughs> and hey, I found out what that was. Goes, Adam! <laughs> I'll never forget it. You guys were rolling on the floor laughing. I knew it was like, I don't really care about my record in June, July, and August, but this was crazy. And so, I, as soon as I got teed up, I looked at, I saw your two faces, and you guys were rolling, rolling. Well, it, it's funny because we, we do use that as a teaching moment with officials because we have to be cognizant of that fact that if, if and it's okay that we have coaches with different personalities, but if you have a guy and I call it up, not standing up, but his, his, uh, you know, um, his level of intensity is up, up, up. And it's, and it's, it's an outward intensity. I mean, not to say that you don't have intensity, you just keep it bottled up and you, you channel it in a different way. But if you've got a guy that's, you know, uh, very active and you have a guy that's like yourself that, that sits when, when you jump up once, it's so different from the rest of what you've done the whole game that as officials, we have to be cognizant of the fact, don't react to that. Give that guy, give cause in this situation, the benefit of the doubt. You can't just, cause it's so different. You can't whack him. Yeah. Um, and, and cause that's unfair. And so I think, you know, it kind of goes back to some of the things that you've been talking about, Kyle, since we started talking today is it's the relationships, but I continually use the word empathy um, that official, as officials, we have to put ourselves in the position of coaches to try to get a better understanding of what you guys go through. And you 
you know, I've said this before and people are probably getting tired of me saying it, but I'm going to keep saying it. You guys practice all damn week for an hour and a half game. And we show up an hour before and we leave when the game's over. And like we said before, we don't care who wins and loses. So, but, but we have to understand and appreciate what you guys are going through. You have a group of 15 to 18 year olds that you're trying to coach. And we all know that's not easy. Um, and so to me, all of that comes together in terms of understanding the plight of what the other's going through. That's all. I love it. I'll tell you what, Adam and Scott, I found that during games, there's often sometimes that if you have a good relationship with the official, you can actually take that to your advantage. A perfect example is that we're playing a really, really tight game. And I think it's like 5, 10, 15, 20 seconds left in the game. And we get possession. And the official working the trail would run by me. He goes, you want one? You want one? And I'm saying, you know what? He's right. I probably should take a timeout. So I would take a timeout. I know there are times when a, a team was putting up like a 10-point run on us. The official looks over me and like says, coach, they're on a run. I can tell he's not saying it, but he goes, you might need a timeout. You want one? You want one? <laughs> so if you're a coach and you kind of have a good vibe with the officials, it could be to your advantage. i never forget this. I had one guy that were like, I probably should have called a timeout because we could get the ball on the side and like with 10 seconds of running the last play. And I said, no, I'm going to play it out. He would say to me, coach, you want one? You want one? You want one? I said, no, let it play out. And we end up missing the shot. And I said, man, why didn't I take one? Why didn't I take one? So it's funny how those officials, they're into the game just as much as you are. And they have a feel for the game. So if you're smart, you can feel their vibe and just like go with it because they want to make you happy and they want to make the other coach happy. So they're going to be close to you if they think you might need a timeout or something like that. So that's another positive thing that I had when I worked games with officials. So, so cause tell us, tell, tell our, again, tell our, you know, seven, eight listeners about coach Larry Boomer. Um, oh. He He was, I mean, what a great coach, what a great guy. And how does he have what I would call two offspring, you and Hawes, that are so different? It's so funny. Uh, Larry Boomer would be the perfect guy that you would want your son to play for. He was a gentleman. Never got excited. Never attacked the kid. Never, ever, ever, ever became a distraction to the game. But he was competitive in a very calm way. And uh, I learned a lot from him by like, just like, come on, man, stay out of the way, let the kids play. And that kind of helped me a lot. Well, Hawes, I don't think, and I love Hawes, that the second the official throws the ball up, I don't think he knows what he's doing from then to the end of the game. But you couldn't get a better friend, a guy that cared more about you than anything. He never would take a game personal. You could, uh, we've had many district championships played with each other. And we might have won at the buzzer or lost at the buzzer. Exact same person. Happy for you as a person if you won and understood if you lost that you were feeling kind of and he would give you a hug and tell you how much he cared about you. But two absolute opposite people. I don't think I've ever seen a coach more genuine in shaking hands with kids before a game starts than Jeff Hoss. Yeah. Right. He'd he'd almost know my kids just as much as my his kids. Like, come on, man. Give me a hug. Don't. No, don't. Give me a hug. To, not that I have to uh, validate what you said about Coach Boomer, but uh, years ago I had a, 
a broad run Parkview game. And Coach Edwards was at Parkview. And, you know, obviously big rivalry around here. And before the game, Ken Edwards comes across the court to me to tell me that his assistant coach was going to be the head coach that night because he had been in the hospital for, they were checking out his heart and his doctor told him he could come to the game, but he, he couldn't get excited. And I was like, well, Ken, that's, we know you and I both know that's not going to happen. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, he goes, I'm going to be good, but my assistant's going to coach the game tonight. And, and Boomer was over there. And so the three of us were talking, we come over to the table and uh, coach Edwards comes up to me. He says, Hey, Adam, we, uh, we made a mistake in the book. Um, we got a starter wrong. So uh, can I change it? I said, yeah, coach, no problem. You know, and every official that's listening again, all six or seven know that that, that should be a technical foul. So I go over to coach Boomer and I said, coach Boomer, that was something else about uh, coach Edwards. It really kind of puts everything in perspective, doesn't it? About, you know, what this game is about. You know, he's in the hospital. He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm glad he's okay. I said, me too. He said, by the way, have you ever heard of the hospital rule? He goes, no, what's that? I said, well, that's a little known rule in the, in the book that says if the head coach was in the hospital within 24 hours of game time, he gets a free change of one starter. And he's looked at me, he goes, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story, Adam. That's great. That's Boomer, though. Boomer. Yeah, total Boomer. Total yeah. Larry Boomer. Yeah. So this, so this might be a, a good time to talk about uh, something we talk about each week with, I, I think Adam's given us six listeners to seven to eight, but we always talk about pet peeves. And I think it's always interesting to, to try to get um, other people's perspective. You usually have other officials on here, but it's nice to have coach Kyle's on so he can give us maybe from a coach's perspective about pet peeves. And if there's a specific pet peeve that you might have about officials. So, Kaz, we're gonna we're gonna yield to you first and let you share if you have a pet peeve or two that you want to share about officials. Um, I kind of wanted to always welcome them to Broad Run. I kind of after the games, I would shake their hand. If I had to go in the locker room, they would really appreciate that. As they walked out the building, I would say, "Man, thanks, guys." And we lost. There was seasons where we lost a lot of close games, and uh, it was hard to do. But a kind of pet peeve was that you know they're your guest. And it's up to you. I would make sure the AD had a cooler of water for them. So one of the pet peeves for me was like to make sure that they felt welcome. Um, I had a really good relationship with the officials that would do the clock. And we had a wonderful man that you did our clock at Broad Run for a long time. And uh, sadly, he passed away last year. I know he's big in Cardinal Association, but what a gentleman, a gentleman. He was just someone that wanted to work the clock. So how could you ever give someone like that a hard time if the clock ran extra or the clock ran it like it, he got caught up in the flow of the game. It didn't turn off the clock. And uh, there's just some really good people out there. And I, I know you guys have really uh, good stories about that man, but he was a fixture at broad run for a couple of years and what a kind, wonderful man. And uh, sadly he passed away. You're talking about Bill Naylor, right? Yeah. 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 Bill was a longtime referee for us. Um, and then when he, at the end of his career, when he, when he really couldn't get up and down the court anymore, he decided he wanted to be a clock operator, which is amazing, um, that he wanted to, and, and, you know, basketball was one of the loves of his life, um, as was officiating. So, you know, we miss him a, a ton and, and Joe Salsetti who passed and, and recently one of our other legends, uh, Rosie Johnson passed away. 
Uh, mm. Rosie was a member for, I think, 40 plus years of, of Cardinal. Um, yeah. So um, on, on your pet peeve, what, what is, if, you, if you've got, if any young official listening, what advice, one or two pieces of advice from the coaching standpoint, would you want young officials to hear? I would get a thing that would really bother me is the official would like refuse to come over and talk to me. If we had a break in the action, I'm not saying where I call a timeout just to talk to you, but man, come on, come over here and talk to me. Um, I, I had one of relationship with like uh, different people like Jerry Cruiser would say to me, Oh, did I miss that? I said, Jerry, I thought he got hit. I thought he got knocked off the dribble. And he goes, ah, uh, I had, I, I didn't see that. I said, I'm sorry. I missed that. That's it. Don't be afraid to talk to the coaches. Sometimes officials will say it as far as way as possible. I don't say have conversations because sometimes I get annoyed that people are having like long conversations with Hawes for a long time. Like stop talking to Hawes all the time. But it's not nothing like uh, it's nothing like to take personally. But I do believe that more and more officials should not be afraid to talk to coaches. Like don't go all the way down the other end. Come by and like say, hey, I think I missed that. I kind of find it really hard to argue with official when you're up and talking to them about a call and they say, you know what? You're right. I missed it. Bam. Conversation's over. I'm not even talking to you anymore. It's just don't, young guys, don't be afraid to get a little dialect going. I'm not saying if it's all one way, that's not your job, but it's okay to have conversations. And if you miss the calls, they say, you know what, coach? You're right. I missed it. It's over. I can't argue anymore. But if you stay at the other end of the court and you're like totally ignoring me and not giving me even the, a slight look, I'm like, I'm getting hot. I'm getting worse. But if you come over here and say, hey, coach, what's up? I said, I thought he got knocked off the bounce. You know what? You're right, coach. I missed it. Bam. I'm done. I'm done. It, it's funny you say that because I would say my biggest pet peeve with coaches is when, and, and, and by no stretch of the imagination am I saying that you did this, because you and I hardly ever talked about basketball during games. We usually Never. talked about, you know, food and New York <laughs> and the Giants or whatever. Yeah. Um, but when a coach does say something, and I want to talk to him about it, I want him to actually close his mouth and use his two ears for a moment, where they say they want to talk, but they really, they don't, they don't want to have the conversation. They just want to talk. And they don't want to hear what we have to say. And that's when I get, when I will stop coming over when it's, yeah. when it's only meant to be. And I once had this conversation with a, with a coach where he said, you'll, and he's pointing down the other end. This is, this is a, a college coaches. You'll talk to him. Why don't you talk to me? And I looked at him. I said, when you learn to talk like him, I'll talk with you until then we're done. Wow. We're done awesome. because it, it, it's not a conversation. You just want to yell at me and you can do that from across the court. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, to me, that dialogue, I mean, as coaches, I, I always tell officials this and, and John, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but I think 95% of the, of the problems between referees and coaches is that when coaches don't feel that we're hearing what you have to say. Mm. And, and that can be with a nod. You just nod. People can't see this, but you just nodded at me. So I know that you heard what I had to say. So it can be with a, with a gesture, a facial look, a nod of the head, a conversation. Yes, acknowledge that I, I have heard what you said. And most of the time, 
that's going to suffice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. I'm not saying get dialect and all that stuff, but just don't be afraid to like eye contact. Like, okay, I got you. Bam. Stuff like that. My, uh, my pet peeve kind of has to do similar with what Kaz was saying earlier, but from an official's perspective, the relationship that we have with the people that we encounter, like for a long time, you know, we knew that Jack was the AD and we, we got to have a relationship with him. We knew who the, the people that were doing the book for. If we start looking down or talking down to those people, the likelihood of them being able to really want to be on our team is, is, is nil. So I remember this story. Um, it was more uh, on the girls' side, and, and Kaz, you'll laugh at this, but I was doing a girls' game at Broad Run uh, maybe 10 or 12 years ago. Uh, and the head coach is Sean Gundry, uh, who has yeah. since uh, retired from coaching. He's also a, a good friend and a, a brother of mine in ministry. He's a, a pastor at Buck Hall Road United Methodist Church down in Manassas now. And uh, Sean was relatively a new coach and a little excitable, and he started you know, the game with asking for travel and three seconds. And I was just like, God, this guy's just asking for everything. And I remember we were at a timeout and I went over to the book in between the quarters and, and uh, I looked at the the broad run scorekeeper who I didn't know. I, I just, I just said to her, I said, I said, is he always like this? Does he always complain? Or is this just because he's excited and he's new? And she's like, you should try living with him. It was his wife. <laughs> it's so, it's so Robin was doing the book and I was just like, how funny is that? So, oh, you, just, so you never know relationship wise, how people are connected. Number one, but treat everybody the same. You know, we shouldn't talk down. The, and by the way, especially kids, a lot of the times, we, you know, we have to get kids to do the books or run the clock. Um, they're nervous enough as it is. They don't need some parent or adult coming over and chastising them for doing a bad job. So that would be my pet peeve for, uh, for officials. Let's, let's just remember that again, we're all in this together and we're not necessarily trying to, to diminish anybody. Yeah. Good point. We got anything in the mailbag today, Scott? We do. I just, I just got a, a, a note here from little Yeti, um, huh. also known as Jerry Caruso to you, coach Kaz. <laughs> and uh, he says, Kaz, we're going to miss you. We officials really enjoyed working your games, but I wanted to know if you had any favorite memories over the years that you've had while you were coaching. Um, you know, it's just, it's just all the being part of something that I think, I think everybody has something they're going through, Scott, whether it's an official whether it's a player and if you just care and try to like understand and let them feel like, Hey man, you're a part of this. It will help them immensely in the game of life. I mean, different things like that. Um, I had a kid that I wasn't going to put on the team one year. I didn't like him, And I, I feel embarrassed to say that we just wasn't, I, I said, I, it was always a headache. And I said, I'm not carrying this kid. I'm not going to cut. I'm going to cut this kid. And uh, I kind of shared it with another player. And I said, like, I'm not going to carry this guy next year. And the kid said to me, coach, he could help us. I said, oh. so I carry the kid. And guess what? The kid owns like three Starbucks. Every Christmas, he sends me a 50 pound bag of coffee. He couldn't be more 
of a better kid. He was captain of my team that year. I don't think you can ever like predetermine anything and you can never lock a kid up and throw away the key because they're kids mm. and they're going to change. This kid would turn out to be one of the best kids I ever coached for a ninth, 10th and, and his junior year. He was a headache. I didn't want to carry the kid anymore. It was so much problem. His senior year. I don't know what happened. He was my captain, my team. He uh, was a leader on and off the court. And to this day, he actually worked during my season. He was never late to practice, but he would be running out before school, after school, working at different Starbucks. And today, this kid, now 15, 20 years later, he owns like three Starbucks. Every Christmas, I get a 50-pound bag of coffee. It's just one of the greatest life lessons told me is that you never can give up on anybody, Scott, ever, ever. You can't give up on them because guess what? They'll come around and shock you. Totally shock you. That's awesome. It really is. And, and, and you had the courage to listen to a, a high school kid to help you make that decision. Yes. And I, I, I was like, you know, you're part of the team. I'm not thinking about carrying this person. I said, Coach, he can help us. I said, what? He can help us. I said, all right. So I put him on the team. And guess what? One of the best decisions I ever made. Yeah, and you get free coffee for it now, too. <laughs> <laughs> I got one more uh, note here. It's from Gil Mack. He has two two questions. He wants to know, first of all, is your team properly uh, dressed and attired for the game? (laughs) Number two, he wants to know, Kaz, what are you doing now? What's next for you? You know what, Gil? And and thank you, Gil. uh, Happy New Year, brother. Um, I just really, right now, I feel really healthy. I feel like I'm getting myself in shape. It's not that like sleep at nights watching tv i'm pouring into my porn instead of pouring into everybody else's kids i feel like i'm pouring into my own grandkids i kind of like uh stayed away from games i'll be at the games on senior night and uh to wish the kids that are that i did coach nothing but good luck but i really find myself pouring into my own right now and doing things like that um for a lot of years i kind of like didn't do all that. Now I'm doing it. And it's, it's really, uh, I'm in a happy place. I'm in a pl- place. I really am. Oh, that's I great. You can it hear not. it. You can see it. You can feel it. That's awesome, John. And I, I believe it or not, they're ready for this. My wife's bugging me. Like you can't sit around and do nothing. when you retire, I said, you know what? I think I might go down and do a fifth, sixth grade games and referee. So I'm going to think I'm going to be a referee. You know? Coming <laughs> to the dark side. I love it. <laughs> Cause when, when I'll is the yeah, you know, always bugged me about sitting around doing nothing. I said, I think I might go to the Y down here in Charlotte and uh, referee like fifth, sixth, seventh grade games, uh, like five a night or something like that. The money's better I'm than blessed. I'm blessed. <laughs> hey, Kaz, I, I got you pegged for the springtime to go out and be a little league umpire. <laughs> no, I'm gonna stay with the round ball, I'm gonna stay with the, the basketball. I learned from a lot of good guys. Uh, look, we I appreciate we, you guys. And Will, the Gil, it's nice to thanks for checking in, Gil. Happy New Year, brother. Yeah, we have we have a lot of guys that have been around for a long time. You know, I know that you're uh, going to shift down to North Carolina at some point. Um, yes, in your retirement. So maybe you and Carl Armstrong will get to run across each other since Carl's down there. He's probably he working some fifth. He's probably working some fifth, sixth grade games down there. Probably no is. kidding. <laughs> yep. Yep. Carl. Carl hey, a credit to you guys and your a credit to you guys and your association. When Carl moves to Charlotte or moves down to the Carolinas, and next thing you know, I see him up here in 
refereeing a game. I'm saying, Carl, what are you doing? Ah, I can't, I can't leave it. I can't leave it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I know we could talk for another hour or two and just tell stories, but uh, in the interest of time, we're, we're going to close things up. Kaz, do you have any last comments you want to share with coaches, officials, you know, any of the seven that may be listening? We may have even grown to eight after today. Yeah, Hawes will listen once we tell him, that, you know, we talk a lot about him. <laughs> yeah. Um, just that, you know what, it's, it's hard to really comment about. It's, it's guys – Take your ego out of it. It's all about the kids. It's the impact that you have on others. Everybody's going through something. Just be kind and uh, take one day at a time and just, you know what, care about each other. And uh, can't hit more and more than that. It's just about it. I'm, I'm in a healthy place right now because I'm blessed to have received a lot of positive feedback. And uh, it's very humbling to know that just by caring about others, how it kind of comes back to you and, and, and folds and double folds. Like it's, it's just like, it comes back to me. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Not to step on, uh, on your toes here. Cause this is your area of expertise, Scott, but I only have to say to that is amen. <laughs> yeah. And, and I will tell you, um, you know, my parting words here is just now you understand why, it's easy to just have relationships with other people. It doesn't matter coaches and players and officials, you know, we have to drop the the negative headbutting that goes on between coaches and officials. And I think that just developing and building relationships with, with, with each other will only get stronger if, if we put aside our own, our own agendas and just look at it from a standpoint of we're in this together. So um, cause it's been great to have you. Thank you guys. And, uh, you know, you're going to be missed. We're going to stay in touch and hopefully be able to get out there on the golf course with you once it gets warm. Uh, 100%. Get rid of this COVID variant. Uh, yes. Be helpful. And, um, Adam, as always, you have the last word. Kaz, once again, thanks for joining us. Hopefully uh, you and your family have a healthy and happy new year. Wishing, again, all of our listeners the same. And may this be the only inadvertent whistle in your day. Thank you. That's wonderful. Appreciate those words. God bless. So strong, eh? I'm back, I'm feeling like there's nothing I can't try.